All right, welcome back to the podcast. We're kind of wrapping up uh, about the Constitution a little bit more. This is for our government class. Uh, just remember, guys, this is an access tool for you guys to, to hear the information instead of just reading about it and watching videos about it. It's a chance to hear your teacher actually explain it to you guys. I know this virtual learning stuff is getting a little old, but this podcast is going to continue throughout the course of the year. I'm going to continue to update this and keep making pushes even after we are done. With that being said, so today we're going to be talking about federalism and basically our founders chose the system of federalism, which is a balance ultimately of national and state powers. So what it says is that we're all part of one national law, but individual states also have the right to pick some things out for themselves. They believe that if we had a strong central government, that that would kind of help all of us in this. But they also believe that within this state system, we should have this. So federalism is a system of government in which a written constitution divides the powers of government based on territory between the central government and several regional governments. Those are also known as states. Each of these basic levels of government has its own set of powers, and neither one can act really on its own without the other one. And they need to kind of work together to make everything happen. So this division of power that's out there between the national government and the state government, it allows that we get some say locally within our state government as to how things work and our country gets some bigger says as to how all that works. So there are some major strengths that go in with this. One, it allows it allows us here in Ohio to worry about what matters for us here in Ohio and not what's big and important somewhere else. And it allows our nation to pick up kind of some of the big things. So it allows if, say, we lived in an earthquake zone for them to work on laws that make you know, building codes for earthquakes. Well, here in Ohio, we don't have to worry about that as much, although we did have an earthquake not too long ago. It didn't do any serious damage. It was just kind of like, oh, hey, that's cool. You know, other things, you know, there's a ton of examples of it, but one of them, you know, 48 states have gas stations that are self-serve. However, in two states, New Jersey and Oregon, you are not allowed to pump your own gas. You actually have to have somebody pump it for you. You tell them how much to put in and they put it in. You don't pump your own gas. And that just requires, you know, different ways of doing it. There is a state out there that does not require voters to register in order to vote. That is North Dakota. In Nebraska, they have a one house legislator instead of everywhere else where we have two. Uh, Oregon to Washington, you're allowed to have assist, uh, physician-assisted suicide. Alaska, Delaware, New Hampshire, Montana, and Oregon, they don't have a general sales tax. So if you buy anything in those states, there's no taxes added to it. There's all of these things that allow for different types of help based on, uh, based on the state. So kind of the role... There are three types of federal power. So let's get back into the federal part. That is the national part. So the national government and the federal government are the same things. So we decide or we describe what is a federal power. There are three types. One of them is a delegated power and that the government has these powers that is granted to them by the Constitution. So the first one is an express power. The express power uh, are powers that are delegated to that to the, to the national government in so many words. They are spelled out. They are written expressively in our Constitution saying that these are your powers. 
You can find them in the car, in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8. There are 18 separate clauses that give 27 powers to Congress. They include the power to lay and collect taxes, to make money, to regulate foreign and, com and interstate commerce, to raise and maintain armed forces, to declare war, to fix standards and weights measurements, to grant patents and copyrights, and do many other things. Those are the big powers that are specifically laid out and said, listen, as a federal government, you can do this. There is also implied powers. So this is where things get a little bit complicated because at the end of those uh, 18 clauses that are in Article 1, Section 8, there is this part that says this, to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers and all other powers vested by the Constitution of the United States of or the government of the United States or in the Department of the Office, therefore. Basically what that says, anything that Congress believes is necessary and proper that they can they can fill up on, they can do. It's a bit of an odd situation because there's this catch-all that says the national government can create a law about anything, but really they can't. All right, so there's also the third type of power, which is an inherent power, and that is as things have moved on and moved forward, uh, there are different powers that have become national powers that are not the states are not ready to deal with, such as uh, regulating immigration, deporting aliens out of our country, uh, great, getting, gaining territory, recognition of other states. Those are national problems, and we inherited those problems and those powers to the national government. Now, the Constitution does say that we can have certain necessary problems, but there are powers that are expressly denied to these. They, they cannot levy duties on, export, on exports. They cannot get involved in private property uh, for public use without payment. Uh, they cannot prohibit freedom of speech, uh, religion, press, assembly. They can't conduct all of these different things. And so they have to, these powers are denied because of the Constitution. The national government is a government of delegated powers. It only has the powers that the Constitution gives it. And some of these powers are relied upon by the states. So that takes us to what are the powers of the 50 states? So what powers are reserved to these, this state? And that is basically we're going to go back to the 10th Amendment of the Constitution that says the states are governed of reserved powers. They have the power to do the following things. And then any state can decide that, you know, they just – they decide their marital laws or their outlaw of you know how we live our life, pro uh, gambling, uh, prohibition if they want to get rid of alcohol, legalization of marijuana. These are all states' issues that they get to deal with. They can also establish public schools. They can enact land use laws, stuff like that. They kind of you know not the fun stuff that we worry about at the national level, but stuff that within the states they can you know really kind of kind of work on. Uh, the Constitution, however, does hold some things back from the state. They do say that, you know, certain powers the state can't uh, push above the national government. We'll get into that in a second. Some of the powers that are denied to the states, uh, they can't do anything that goes above the national government. They have, you know, we'll get into this in a second, but our Constitution is the supreme law so that is the top law you can't do anything that violates that top law 
Uh, exclusive powers and concurrent powers is the next section of this. Uh, most of the powers of the Constitution delegates national government are exclusive power. They can be exercised only by the national government. And they tell you which ones those are again in Article 1, Section 8. But there's also concurrent powers, which is where the two work together. A lot of that deals with uh, schooling. Some of that deals with things like uh, you know, national parks stuff like that and it's kind of they have to work together in order to actually make some of these processes work in our constitution when we wrote it we were designed and prepared for the fact that there is going to be a time where the supreme court or the national government and the state government clash and that's why they established something called the supremacy clause and the supremacy clause is basically saying that the Constitution is supreme. At the end of the day, whatever the Supreme or whatever the Supreme Court, the Constitution have decided, that is the final law, and that is the most uh, important aspect of this. It's called the linchpin of our Constitution. It's what keeps our Constitution together. It's what prevents us from moving forward into kind of a good or a bad way. But the Supreme Court and federalism, the Supreme Court is basically they are the umpire of the of this system. What that means is they kind of make the final say when the two are clashing with each other. And they have clashed many times. And the Supreme Court has made decisions for both the states to have more power and for, uh, you know, the kind of vice versa. This is a very quick overview of federalism. Federalism is one of those things you know a lot more when you see it than when you just hear about it. So we'll kind of keep pushing forward with this federalism uh, stuff as we go on throughout the time here. I just wanted to thank you all again. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.